Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. The Gen Z Basketball Coaching and Sports Business Show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Hey, Liam, what's going on? Doing good, man. How are you doing? Doing great. Big day today with the draft coming up. This is a this is the first ever emergency podcast I think we've ever done here on Gen Z Hoops. So it's going to be a fun <laughs> one. We never we've never really recorded one day of, put it up day of. So thank you to our editors for doing that and, and getting this out there. This is going to be a fun one, like breaking down your big board. Which, dude, I'm so proud of you for, for putting that all together. You're you're, thank you. you're really a grinder for doing that and seeing it on LinkedIn and stuff. I mean, I, I was I was shocked, even though knowing how much you care about the draft that you put that you did such a great job doing it. Everyone was kind of giving a lot of love for it. So we're going to talk a lot about the draft. The first thing I want to ask you about, though, is a rant. I mean, this has maybe been the biggest thing. The draft's number one in your mind. Number two might have been the game Iranian, uh, Iranian basketball played against the U.S. Like, what, <laughs> hap- what happened there? I mean, you, you, have some, you have some opinions on it. Yeah, uh, let's we can start with that. Yeah, sure. So we'll get the craziness out of the way. Let me preface by saying, like, I understand all these guys are professional basketball players, and there's a good amount of Iranian players on the team that – Played in the U.S., like Arsalan Kazemi, he played at Rice. I actually, like, kind of know him personally. Hamed Haddadi, like, he played in the NBA plenty of years. I'm, like, not pronouncing these names the way I should be pronouncing it for an Iranian person, but we're just we're just flowing through these. <laughs> and then, you know, like, Yachchali plays in Germany. A few of them were born in, in the U.S., so, like, played at a higher level than I do for sure. With that being said, with the way they play – with the way they play, if you gave me a year with an NBA trainer and just worked on me shooting from 30 feet and passing the ball around, just around, or into a post, just those things, I could probably make the Iranian national team because that's all they do. So they they play the good old-fashioned game of if you're big, you rebound the ball, and if you're short, you shoot the ball, and you don't do anything else. They shot so many threes in that game. Yeah, Charlie was just tossing shots up from, like, 35 feet. And then if it wasn't that, it was just pass the Hadadi in the post and let him work on Bam, which, by the way, he cooked Bam, and I was – <laughs> that was hilarious but bam ended up getting the better of him in the game but that one play i was i was hyping it up like crazy yeah that was just sad i was like not surprised whatsoever the u.s after like losing that first game you have to win like you had to have one out so like i honestly think whoever was that second team like it could have been france they were gonna get beat by 40 like <laughs> whoever was that second team was getting smacked i was just hoping that we would like beat the money line like it was like 40.5 and I, I like I knew it was lost as soon as the U.S. took the lead I think it was like 2-0 and then it went 3-2 and I was like all right it's over they already got the lead like we're done but like it was like a 38 point game with like 10 minutes left and then I like blinked and it was a 50 point game and I was like all right cool like <laughs> it's done it's done at this point but yeah I mean like I'm happy Iran even made it like that's a especially for having like zero NBA players right now. I do hope that Iran can invest a little bit more in their sports in general. That's a whole other topic. And it's also a whole marketing topic as well. But, you know, it's 
for the position that that country is in, that my like a lot of my family's in as well, it's still really cool to see them be competing. Basketball was never a medal hope anyway. I think we already had a one gold medal last I checked. That might have changed, but it was in 10-meter air pistol, so best in the world at that. I think we're trying to get there for volleyball. Volleyball is our, call, our calling card, so we'll see what happens. But Exciting stuff, and obviously, right, pretty hot take in thinking that uh, we'll see if that, if that year may get, get you the Iranian team for 2024 for those Olympic games. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, if Drew Hanlon wants to work with me, I think if he's working yeah. with me, I'm probably starting on that team. You got a pretty good uh, shot. <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send you a text to see what I can do. We'll see what happens. Yeah, but. I mean, how hard is, like, the German third league? That's that's my real question. Like, if it's anything, like, maybe, like, a little bit lower than JUCO, uh, I, might be able to, I might be able to do it. Maybe. Maybe. I don't want to stretch my but so that might be one of the hotter takes on it. You, you definitely have some, again, when I, everyone, the draft's a contentious thing. There's definitely a lot of hot takes there. But the one thing that I think maybe like there's no hot takes about is the number one pick. Everyone's saying it's Katie Cunningham. And I'm curious why as someone, yeah. as maybe a more casual draft viewer that didn't get to watch a lot of him in high school or didn't see his freshman year, like what is, what is, what's so special about him? I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah, I mean, like, well, he's he's a six eight point guard. That's to start. I mean, we've been seeing that kind of prototype come into the league a lot more, starting with you know Ben Simmons. Then you had Luca. Now you have Lamelo. And in this draft, you have Cade. You have Josh Giddy. Some people think Scotty Barnes is a point guard. I think he's more of just like a point forward. But there's like guys who are like legitimate point guards, like not point forwards, not Lamar Odom and Josh Smith and Kyle Anderson, point guards built like small forwards, power forwards. He's 6'8", 220, still really young. He's arguably the best passer in the draft, arguably the best shooter in the draft, arguably the best scorer in the draft, and arguably the best defender in the draft. He has an argument for all four of these things. Some people say, you know, he's Ben Simmons with a three-point shot, and that's the one thing everybody wants from Ben Simmons. His defense, in my opinion, is a little bit worse than Simmons's. I mean, that's his calling card, and uh, Simmons is very, very good at defense, but Cade can be like an all defensive type player while also being like one of the better offensive players in the league. I, I do think that like Jalen Green recently said that this draft class could be the best draft class since 2003. And I agree. Uh, you know, you have a dynamic, dynamic score in Jalen Green, who's in my opinion, already proven that he's going to be able to make it in the league. You have one of the best post prospects since Anthony Davis, maybe since Carl Anthony Towns in Evan Mobley. And then just an all uh, like a franchise altering for Detroit, but also just league altering kind of guy in Cade Cunningham. And that's not to mention, you know, a guy like Jalen Suggs, who I think is going to be an all-star player uh, later on. There's also, you know, Jonathan Kaminga, there's incredible talents like Jalen Johnson and Josh Giddy and Zaire Williams. Like there's, this is a deep, deep draft with a lot of guys who are just very, very high upside. And a lot of guys who are probably going to be really good role players in the league. Definitely. I mean, definitely it is a deep draft. And we'll, I mean, only time will tell history is going to tell us if, if this draft pans out the way a lot of people are expecting it to go. Uh, but you're talking about how deep the draft is. Your Houston Rockets, right? Being the host of Gen Z Rockets are going to have to go yeah. to in the draft for their selection, right? Picking a number two. Now you mentioned a lot of positive things about your, your, your I mean, you're part of the green game, right? You're going to, you're going to back your guy. You're going to back him up. Uh, oh, for sure. Number two. But there's a lot <laughs> of talk about him being compared to Shea Gilgis Alexander at, at best. Well, I mean, I, I, I need, I need, I need oh. to those, 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 those problems, those question marks about him. 
I had way too many arguments about this. So I'm going to keep this pretty short just because I'm over, I'm a little over talking about it. The, the reason for it was because apparently OKC offered Detroit SGA in the sixth pick for number one. And a lot of people were saying like, do it, do it, do it. You know, SGA is already an all-star level talent. I agree. He's probably going to be an all-star soon. I mean, if guys like Cade are coming into the league and Jalen Green coming into the league and, you know, there's other shooting guards stepping up. I mean, like Devin Booker is only a two-time all-star. You have, you have, like, it's 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 a pretty stacked Western Conference in terms of guards. Like, it's a little tough for SGA to break in there, but I do think he'll be able to make it probably within the next year or two. Also, depending on health, he only played 35 games last year, but I do think he probably will be healthier. It's planter, so, like, it's kind of a chronic injury so it just kind of whether or not he'll play through the pain it's not that they play similarly in any way it's more so people are saying that Jalen Green's ceiling is which I, I like I the ceiling in floor terms like I get them I understand them I use them but it's it's just so like people just throw them out there it's saying that his ceiling is you know lower than what SGA is right now and I'm like man like if the number two overall pick in a draft that the consensus is it's the best in 18 years and it's one of the deepest in history and the number two pick at best is a borderline all-star uh you know like <laughs> it's like what are we doing here you know like i under and so I, on top of that it just doesn't make sense financially like do you punt on potentially Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green on seven years of team control? Uh, you know, you have them for or even maybe even more because you have them for about three to four years on the rookie deal or four years on a rookie deal, plus potentially another four years once they sign an extension or five years once they sign an extension. So up to nine years of team control or do you pay SGA the max now whenever you're not really like a competing team, lock yourself into the salary. And then five years from now or four years from now, he gets up and leaves, you know? So it's like, it doesn't make sense in the long term. I think for, especially for the Rockets, like you're in a mode to rebuild, don't push it. And especially like, cause you're not going to get a top three pick every year. If you get one next year or the year after, like you get a Wembenyama or Imani Bates or, uh, you know, next year you get like a Chet Holmgren, Paolo, or like Jaden Hardy, any of those guys, then maybe, you know, you, you like if you know that's going to happen next year, but nobody knows that's going to happen. So whenever that option is there, I think you take it. Definitely. You, you, you made a really good point thinking about just right. A lot of these trades, we look at them as just face value, maybe the way you might look at them in 2k, what overall for an overall, or how good is this player for this other player, but those implications in terms of salary cap and contracts that plays a huge role in all this stuff. Obviously, and people you might just forget about it and looking at just talent for talent when that's you're, you're, you're trading for a lot more than that in terms of situation. Um, but that's right. These kind of, this idea of maybe trades or, or moves is a reality that a lot of teams are going to face in this draft. Now the Cavs at number three, everyone's talking about them, what they're going to do with their number three pick. If they're going to get someone like Evan Mobley, who people are saying is the next Anthony Davis or whatever that might look like in terms of them trading it to complement their front court or their back court, whatever that might look like. I mean, what do you, th- what do you think to see them doing with that pick and how uh, much of a, an asset do you, do you see someone like Evan Mobley being in the NBA? Evan Mobley. I mean, I think he's going to do fine. I think, Seven footers have a little bit more trouble coming into the league just because in college, a lot of the guys are going up at seven foot. No offense to him, but this is just the example I like to use because I went to Syracuse with Pascal Chukwu. He's still playing. So like, you know, good on him. He's still playing pro, but 
he couldn't he was seven foot three and wasn't the best shot blocker wasn't a good rebounder wasn't good and like really good in the post like sometimes got played off the court because of those things as well there's a lot of guys in the NCAA who are good at basketball but are also just really tall and get you know d1 contracts get d2 contracts even you know stuff like that because they're seven foot three like or seven foot two. So whenever Evan Mobley is going up against a lot of these seven footers, like these are guys that are talented at basketball, but not NBA talent close, like close to NBA talent and basketball. Whereas the guards are going in like night in and night out against other NBA level guards or the wings are going night in and night out against other NBA level wings. The bigs aren't doing that as often in the NCAA or at least like prospect wise, you know? There's a reason why there's only like five, six bigs in every draft that like come in compared to the amount of guards and wings that come in. Although next year is a very big, heavy draft. I will say that. And so I believe so is the year after that. But since he like, and other, you know, big men as well, don't really play against these guys like that often, that regularly on a schedule like the NBA schedule, you know, like that's one of the more grueling things about for rookies is the 82 game schedule. I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to just adjust. Like, I think it's, it's, a, it's going to be a lot more, it's a lot less about his skill translating and a lot more about his conditioning translating. I think once he gets that figured out, once he's able to go up against these, you know, other seven footers who have been through NBA level strength and conditioning camps for five plus seasons, and then also getting used to the conditioning of an 82 game season, then you, then you might see him start figuring out. I feel like normally for bigs, it's not until like year three or year four that you actually see them like really start in like actively impacting the team. Like they might be good, but they're not giving you anything like special. Like you, it can get replicated by any vet almost. There's a lot of bigs in this league where I'm like, why sign him when you can just go get like Nerland's Noel? Like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff like that, especially like the younger guys, but like from a team building standpoint, but in terms of like them actually progressing, it takes a little longer. So I think like it's, um, it's going to, it's going to take him a little bit longer than it will like a Jalen green, Jalen Suggs, you know, maybe even like, like Scotty Barnes or book Knight. I think, I think Mobley's going to be fine. I think he's going to be really good. There's been very few big men who come in and immediately start impacting and i think they are like guys who like anthony davis cat that's basically it from recent memory i guess like zion but he's a six five not just different breed like it just doesn't happen that often maybe he proves me wrong if he proves me wrong like i'll you know i'm fine with it that's the whole point of the draft and that's what i love somebody's gonna get drafted tonight that's gonna prove a lot of people wrong that's important, right? And one of those guys who might not be, pro- he'll be proving you right, but maybe other people wrong. We're talking a lot about how bigs might have a harder time developing and, and how their size maybe like gets them through the lower levels. A guy like Shreve Cooper, who if he was taller, you don't know what could happen. So you've been on record talking a lot of positive things about Shreve Cooper. He's someone that, right, you might prove, he'll prove 99% of the population wrong, uh, but you'd be the one right in that situation. I mean, tell us your thoughts about him and what you think he can do at the next level. Yeah, I mean, he makes everybody around him look better. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, he's six feet. Yeah, he's a little like skinny. He's he's six foot one sixty five. Shot about twenty three percent from three, which wasn't that good. But he shoots like eighty three percent from the free throw line, which like it just translates well. I think he's gonna be a better three point shooter. 
in the NBA. I think he just will be better in general in terms of overall offense in the NBA. Auburn asked him to do a lot. Like this is a guy who shouldn't be putting up 20 points per game in college. Jalen Green was projected to go to Auburn before he went to the G League. If he goes to Auburn, I think Sharif Cooper is probably averaging like 14, 15, but like 11 assists a game, which is ridiculous. This isn't a guy who I think is going to average 20 in his career, but I think like a like 17 and 11 is not out of the question whatsoever. In my opinion, the best passer in the draft, he can get the ball anywhere as quick as like anybody sees gaps in the defense before they're even there. Like it's almost like he can tell where everybody on the court is going to be like two seconds later. He's extremely fun to watch. He's a little flashy. He's extremely great personality. You watch his interviews and you're like, I love this guy. The issues are that he's small. People think he's not that great of a defender because part of it is that he's small. I think, you know, you don't need all five guys on the court to play defense is what I say. I think you need three and a half, and that's about it. As long as you have a really good rim protector. Like, if you have a really good rim protector, you need, like, three and a half. Three and a half guys who can play defense. The other one just stick on the corners because that's what everybody's doing nowadays. So, like, I think – you know, Sharif Cooper, as long as you draft him to a team with good defenders, like that's why everybody's saying the Knicks are a great landing spot for Sharif Cooper because they need a point guard. They're a defensive-minded team that, you know, everybody's going to be locked in on defense. So if Sharif Cooper, you know, a guy gets by him because he's too small or something like that, you got four other guys ready there to help. So I think for him, it's going to be, it might be a little bit of a struggle, you know, right off the bat. But, like, who is it not a struggle for right off the bat for rookies, you know? I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be really good. He makes he makes everybody around him better. And I think that's that's the kind of player that every every team wants to draft. If he's there at 23 for the Rockets, I would love him. I would absolutely love him on the Rockets. That I know you do. You do absolutely love him. And if he's a 23, that's great for you for, for the Rockets. And I, 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 will, say, I will say this just for another, another hot take. If he was six foot five, he's the best player in this draft. There you go. Um, have it. <laughs> and he was six foot five. He's the best player in the draft. He says he's six foot three. Um, nobody believes him though. So we'll see what he like officially comes in on when after like he gets drafted. I think they do the like official like marking for how how tall you are. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like five eleven. <laughs> but but like you know if he's six three, somebody got a steal. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, we'll see what happens. If he, if the Knicks end up getting him too, we'll get to see a lot of him next year. You know, the two of us, which will be fun. Uh, but you mentioned about how he's the best passer in the draft. And I'm curious, right? I mean, that's maybe that, that phrase of best blank in the draft is something that a lot of you know of analysts use to describe who's maybe really paint the picture on what a player is. So we have some quick fire questions uh, for, for Gen Z Hoops. And I'm, right, you already mentioned how he's the best passer in the draft. Who's the best shooter in the draft to you? It's between a couple of names. I will say uh, Corey Kispert. Probably the best catch-and-shoot shooter in the draft is Corey Kispert. It's it's like if he's catching a pass and he's wide open, I, I'm expecting it to go in. He's just one of the – he's one of the better off – I think he's like 99th percentile in terms of like points per possession. Like he's just one of the most efficient players in college basketball. I think it's going to be very easy for him to be a good shooter and play that role in the NBA as well. So in terms I think Corey Kispert, I will say Cade Cunningham is probably up there as well. I do think his shot is three point percentage is going to go down a bit just because, you know, it's the NBA and you're also going to be like creating for yourself a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, although maybe next to Killian Hayes, you know, we'll see what they end up doing with the two of them, but he's probably one of the better shooters in this draft. 
Chris Duarte from Oregon, he shot 42% from three, about 48% on catch and shoot threes. So I think he's going to be a really good shooter. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 14 to Golden State. Uh, I had him a little bit lower just because I'm not, I'm more of an upside guy. Like I, I want to see the best in everybody. I hope everybody pans out, you know, but realistically, like he's like, so, he's a sure, sure thing. In my opinion, like I think he's like going to be a great role player. He's probably one of the better shooters in this draft. I'll probably say like Joe Weiskamp out of uh, out of Iowa. He's he's incredible, extremely athletic too. I think he had like a 42 inch vertical at the combine. I like those guys a lot. There's another guy that I just want to give a shout out to is EJ Onu, who he shot 40% from three uh, in the NAIA and also averaged five blocks per game. And he's six foot 11. That's ridiculous. I hope he gets drafted tonight. Probably a guy that's going to be in the G League for about a year just because he needs to play better talent for a little bit. But that dude's ridiculously talented. I, I hope he I hope he ends up panning out as well. He's an extremely good shooter as well. It's fun when I think about just how many guys – I mean, shooting is such an important skill that so many guys maybe fit that mold in this draft. Um, one thing that's maybe a little more all-encompassing, though, who's the best scorer in this draft? So maybe looking at more of a, of a category that's maybe more all-encompassing on the offensive end, who's – that's not even true. That's not just not what it is. So maybe maybe looking at a category more specifically that may, right, everyone always talks about, and that's what shoots guys up draft boards. Who's the best scorer in this draft? Oh, man. Well, Jalen Green, in my opinion. Jalen Green is probably the best scorer in this draft. He averaged 18. I just, you get G League guys on here. So, you know, I just want to say, first of all, the G League, incredible. I think, you know, there, there's some tinkering they need to do, in my opinion, with the, uh, with the format of the ignite, I know this year was a little weird. So we'll see what next year happens or what happens next year before I start critiquing, but 18 points per game against grown men, grown men, 18 years old playing against guys who you got to remember almost everybody in the G league at one point was the best player on their college team or the second best player on the college team. A lot of the guys in the G league played in the NBA for a good amount of years. A lot of them like, are better than a lot of the guys in the NCAA and better than a good amount of the guys in this draft. And Jalen Green averaged 18, four and three while one every single game having a target on his back because a lot of these G League guys see him, Jonathan Kaminga, Isaiah Todd, Dacian Nix and go, these guys, we need to like beat them so we can get our way back into the league. So you have a target on your back every single game. Two, again, grown men, <laughs> grown men, like guys who have had strength and conditioning camps in the NBA, like multiple, multiple years of professional experience. And then on top of that, having to share the ball with three other prospects who all needed like their time and sort of like all, like the whole point of the Ignite was to like showcase these guys sort of. You had to split all of that. Like on a college team, you're probably the number one guy, all four of them, probably the number one or number two guy on whatever college team they go to. Like now you kind of get delegated and you kind of get lost in the mix. I think that's what happened with Dacian Nix, that rhymed. But <laughs> I think that's also kind of what happened with Isaiah Todd, who fingers crossed is a rocket by the end of the night. But I think, I think what Jalen Green did in the G League is extremely underrated. I really like him. I think he's one of the better scorers in this league. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a 25, five and guy or 25, five and five guy within like a couple of years, like an all-star appearance by year three is not out of the question for me. And so I like him. I, I think that him and Kevin Porter jr. 
going to be a great pairing for a, for a good amount of years. But other scores in this draft, there's uh, James Booknight out of UConn, dynamic scorer, probably one of the best players at the rim, one of the most athletic guys in the draft, extremely, extremely quick. And he plays like every dude from New York City. Like he plays straight out of the park, crazy handles, will break so many ankles in the NBA. Like he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, there's a bit some questions about his defense, but I think he's like so quick and so long. I think he's going to be a really good like point of attack defender. I think the biggest thing is just about like locking in off ball, uh, which is, you know, focus is the biggest part for a lot of these guys. Like whenever I was making my big board, I'd look and I'd be like, oh, weakness. Like he doesn't he's not very aware. Oh, he's not very aware. Well, yeah, like they're also like 19 years old. So like that will come. You know, I, I think like things like, you know, off ball defense and like off ball off and like just awareness type situations like those kind of knocks are like maybe a little bit too harsh just because they're still like 19 years old and not being hammered into them. It's not you're not getting paid for this stuff, <laughs> but uh, him and then also Cam Thomas out of LSU, uh, Cam Thomas. I love Cam Thomas. Uh, <laughs> one of the better scores. LSU didn't play defense in the first place. And a lot of their offense was just get a shot up. And that's what Cam Thomas is good at is getting shots up. I mean, he averaged 23 points per game at LSU, uh, share the floor with uh, Javante Smart and Trendon Watford. Both of them, I think, should get drafted, I hope. Love Trendon Watford, by the way. You know, amazing point forward. Cade Light, very, very, very light, but similar in terms of the way they play. Love Cam Thomas as a scorer as well. There's a couple other guys, you know, Trey Mann, Bones Highland as well, Quentin Grimes, although I think he's going to be more of like a role player. But in terms of guys that I think are like their job in the NBA is go out and get me a bucket, like it's Book Knight, Thomas, and then Jalen Green. Uh, not, not in that order, but. Definitely not. Just fun thing about all these. And you said like fun to watch guys are going to really excite us as fans next year. It's, it's rookies. It's going to be a, a fun rookie of the year race, uh, but maybe the some of the stuff that's not as glamorous and fun to watch might be the defensive end. I mean, whether it's on the perimeter and the post, who's maybe the best overall defender in the draft. I'm going Usman Garuba, Usman Garuba out of, uh, out of Real Madrid. Great post defender, extremely switchable. He's quick. He can like very, very, very like just vertical, like vertically quick as well. Like he can, he's got good hops, a uh, good shot blocker. He's super attentive. Like that awareness stuff I was talking about, he has it already. Like, I think if you have it already, like it's a plus. If you don't have it, I don't really think it's a negative. Like if, if that makes sense, but you don't, you don't put a loose ball anywhere around him. He digs into your body. I think it's going to be a little bit tough in the NBA just because it's a lot less like touchy than it is in Europe. Like you can be a little more physical in Europe. He's probably going to get a lot of just like reach in calls his first couple of years. But once he gets like a little bit more disciplined, that dude's going to be a defensive monster. Uh, the biggest thing for him is offense. It's like everything offense kind of needs to get figured out. Like I think it will get figured out. I'm pretty high on him, but the offense is definitely a knock, but defensively like defense is his calling card probably can guard like one through five great point of attack defender great rim protector great help defender good team defender uh you can put him anywhere you can put him in any kind of defensive set you can put him in drop you can switch him like whatever you need him to do i garuba is able to do it and i think that versatility is what makes him the best defender in the league or in the, in the draft sorry not the league <laughs> 
that'd be pretty good. I mean, that's a pretty good pick to take wherever uh, if you're going to be the best defender in the league. But when I think about all these guys and you've, you've, you've put so much work into making this big board, the one last question I want to ask you is what that process looked like because it came out great. And I'm curious as to, I mean, what, what that looked I mean, obviously, I, I knew you were passionate before this, but now maybe everyone knows, right, seeing that you put all this effort into the big board. How'd that all take shape for you? And, and, and how, what, what did that process look like? Yeah, I mean, I so I think for me, like, this was my first year covering the Rockets, just in general. Uh, I mean, I've always been a fan. I've always done, like, sport analytics projects on the side. But, yeah, that was my minor at Syracuse. Always watched games, league pass, all that stuff. Like, I never really dove into, into the, like, value add part of it, though, of just, like, creating content. Once the Rockets sucked, <laughs> which, like, hasn't been a thing for me in, in my, like, time as a Rockets fan I mean we had like 09 through 12 but I was also like 10 years old I wasn't going to do anything at that time and I loved Kevin Martin Aaron Brooks so like I was I wasn't upset about any of that but this year the Rockets weren't good so I dove into the draft a lot um, I think it started with the G League when the do I have my timeline correct I mean I watched like March Madness and stuff like that scouted for March Madness because I was around the same time as SBC uh, Draft Academy when me and you both did that but in the G League as well, I was uh, because the Rockets sent down Kevin Porter Jr. and KJ Martin. I started watching them, and I started watching the Ignite. Loved Jalen Green, loved Kaminga, uh, loved Isaiah Todd. Dacia Nix is cool. Like all four of them were very, very fun to watch. And I was like, okay, let me like really dive into this draft and kind of see like all these other guys. Because if Dacia Nix is like not a guy that should get drafted by some, for some people, like who are these other guys, you know? Or if like Isaiah Todd and like Jonathan Kaminga, and I'm like, oh man, like there's all this like awesome talent coming into the league. Started watching a lot, like a lot more really paid. Like I only had really paid attention to ACC because of Syracuse. Uh, and then also like would just watch UT games and like University of Houston games. So like I knew players. I didn't really know like who's coming into the draft and who's in what draft class and stuff like that. But I kind of knew like players. Then once I really like dove into it, started watching film, started watching, you know, even their like EYBL games from like years back, watching old interviews, workouts, whatever. I, I love the process. It was a lot of me just like sitting where I am right now, looking at my computer, a lot of headaches and long nights and slamming my keyboard going, this is hard because it is like, it's such a hard process. So to any like scouts that get paid for that stuff <laughs> like 100 props to you like it's so hard to do that especially like all the time like it's mentally draining like right now i'm about to leave for the draft in a couple hours as soon as the draft is over i don't want to talk about basketball until i get to summer league like <laughs> i just want to like take a break so like Seriously, like props to the people who do this year and year out. It is extremely, extremely difficult. I had a lot of fun doing it though. I like, there's some players that I'm like going to be fans of no matter what. I got to make a lot of like connections, talk to a couple of these players as well. Got to do some media sessions. So it was just dope. It was dope. Like that's, a, that's the best way I can put it. Like it was, it was an awesome experience. Super looking forward to next year. Have a lot of cool stuff planned for next year. It's going to be fun. Like, I, this is something I really enjoy doing. I think like looking back at how I did this, this year, even from next year, like by the end of next draft class, I'll probably laugh at myself at like either how little work I did or just how bad I did. Or like, I wasn't good at, you know, whatever, like this is very much like, this is my first one. I'm, I've, I'm fully prepared 
to look back 10, 15 years from now and be like, man, that sucked. But like, that's the, that's the, that's the beauty of it. You know, like it's, it's something new and I'm excited. I love it so much. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's all part of the process. And I, I want to point out that you just finished talking about how hard it was, but you finished off by saying, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. That's, that's kind of what it's all about, right? You, you, you the whole time, come on, listen to me. Wow. Like, why would Nemo put himself through that? It's because you love it, right? And that's what's, that's what's, that's what's, that's what's so fun about the whole thing. And I hope you yeah. enjoy this next week long break of, of no basketball, because once I see you in Vegas, it's all we're going to be doing is basketball. Maybe some other yes, things, sir. Too, but, but, but not mostly basketball. Flying so, to Houston tomorrow, hopefully to celebrate Jalen Green and a and a Rockets jersey, and maybe a couple other guys, maybe some uh, former Rockets or like other Rockets no longer on the team. Uh, that would be there's a couple uh, that I you know I would like to see kind of get shifted around, but we'll see. Hopefully it's a big night in Houston, big night for Detroit. Very happy for them. They're about to get a franchise changing guy. Toronto is about to get a great guy with Jalen Suggs. So is Cleveland with uh, with Evan Mobley. That I, I talked earlier um, on Twitter about how, you know, Giannis at 15, Kawhi at 15, Dirk at nine, Curry at seven. These are all guys who changed a franchise and nobody was really expecting them to. Uh, somebody tonight is going to prove a lot of people wrong. Somebody tonight's going to change a whole city. So it's, it's the beauty of the draft night. It's like, it's, 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 it's a great feeling. I can't wait to watch it tonight. You're going to be there. I mean, have fun, have fun doing that. And I will obviously talk before that, but can't wait to see you in Vegas. Appreciate you coming on. We'll talk soon, my man. See you. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.